It's that time. Your fix is here. College football is a year-round discussion with these two. Here's J.C. and Morgan. Mike Morgan of ESPN and J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports have you covered. Beginning right now. Welcome to another installment of J.C. and Morgan. Thank you so much for stopping by for another season of college football week zero in the books week one coming up this is number 170 for us and we've been having a lot of great guests throughout the off season and talking about a lot of different things jc i would just say we are in an nil free zone today we're not getting into nil we're not talking about some of the uh issues with college football there'll be plenty of time for that but thankfully we've got games to discuss and uh, I'm excited. I know you're excited. We're also excited to uh, bring back in our uh, third member, our producer extraordinaire, if you will, Michael Haney. We'll introduce him momentarily. But uh, first off, JC, week zero, how did it feel for you? How excited are you for college football and week? A, a monster week one, by the way. Like this is not just, you know, a couple of good games, a monster week one coming up. How juiced are you right now? I was uh, oh I'm juiced about this weekend starting Thursday going all the way through the the backyard brawl is back uh, and I'm kind of a traditionalist so I'm obviously happy about that I think Pitt has been one of the most victimized teams in college football through no fault of their own because they lost the Penn State game then they lost the West Virginia game uh, and and they lost their stadium they have to play where the Steelers are at now yet they're supposed to have a pretty good football team. Uh, coming up this year and they could repeat as ACC champs so good to see them play in West Virginia again uh, Ohio State Notre Dame is a game I think in the Midwest folks always think should be played they don't play a whole lot uh, they do uh, they, they've been met in some bowl games uh, and Ohio State's really running up on them. I'm curious to see what happens there Florida Utah to me is very intriguing um, you asked me about week zero Mike I'll be honest I kind of felt like I did back in 2020 watching uh, one of those pandemic era weekends before the <laughs> SEC got started. Uh, not did not a lot for anybody that likes defense to like. Uh, thought that, uh, again, you know, Nebraska gets let down. Uh, congrats to Ryan Halinski for having a great game and leading Northwestern to a victory uh, over in Dublin. But uh, – you know, I, I thought North Carolina showed some signs of, of, of a lot of issues that they're going to have uh, that they need to fix quickly. Uh, you know, I, I thought that uh, Florida State was less than impressive against a, a team I didn't even know played football, a Duquesne. <laughs> um, you know, uh, Hawaii, you know, Vanderbilt scored 63 against Hawaii. I guess that's what got the SEC talking. But, uh, you know, and look, most of the time week zero isn't banner like it's not there's a couple games you talk about and that's it um and so uh onward to week one uh but to tell you i was just like man what an impressive week zero of football i'd be lying i i kind of felt like uh is this the sport from two years ago that we all saw (laughs) uh just because lack of defense bad tackling poor coaching decisions uh but i'm sure it'll be much better this weekend 
It, it was it was truly an appetizer. I mean, it, it it's yeah. the appetizer to the main course. And sometimes you go to a party and the appetizers, quite frankly, aren't that great. Uh, <laughs> but it's just something you got to put out to the guests. Uh, so they've got something to munch on as they roam aimlessly throughout a house and uh, weird social constructs and everything else. But um, I, I, there was one game that I clearly had my eyes on uh going going in and i don't know why but i have just a a morbid curiosity and i i almost felt like a, a sadist but i like watching scott frost struggle and i i, I have nothing against him personally I, I i've heard you know he's he's a he's a okay dude like nothing bad about him nothing like that Sometimes I find myself in sports rooting for the story more than anything else. And I hate to say this, uh, and Nebraska fans, I have nothing against you, honestly. Like, uh, if, if you win the next 11, 12 games and sneak into the playoff, I think it's a, that's a great story, right? But that's not happening. Oh. So I, I have to pull for the other story, which is, to watch Scott Frost just skirm, squirm and, and, and just battle all these demons. That's 21 one-possession losses during his time frame. All of a sudden, Bo Pelini doesn't look so bad because he yelled and, and he could be a mean guy. Mm. Um, I, I, I'm just, I find it fascinating because we've talked about Nebraska before on this show. Nebraska, the fact that they're, it doesn't look like they're, Anytime, anytime soon going to be remotely uh, linked to Nebraska, the 90s like that. That time frame has come and gone. Uh, it's still an awkward fit in the Big Ten. And I realize financially you would applaud that move. But boy, I wonder if your average Nebraska fan, if they had a mulligan, they would say, no, no, do not do this. Stay where you are. Uh, we don't fit here. Um, the other thing that's just fascinating to me is that. We all got this wrong, and I will raise my hand in terms of I thought Scott Frost in Nebraska was a no-brainer. Keep in mind, Scott Frost, much like Tom Herman a couple of years before him, was the can't-miss everybody in college football that had a potential opening wanted this man. He turned down Florida. He, he obviously turned down staying at UCF which UCF can't match the finances necessarily, although some might argue that's a better job, at least an easier job than Nebraska right about now. Keep in mind, UCF will be in the Big 12 soon. Um, and, and so it just, it's completely fallen apart. Now, Tom Herman didn't have that type of meltdown, but clearly it did not work out at Texas for Tom Herman either. But this is, this is a historically just 30 for 30 like blow up where nothing has gone right, everything has gone wrong. We can get into the fact that when you're up by 11 and you call for an onside kick, I'm watching that live and I'm just like, oh my goodness, what are you doing? And that's not 2020 hindsight. If you're down 11, I might understand it. He's talking about, well, we went for the kill shot essentially, but the odds are still against it. Like it, it just, it just didn't make sense. But bigger than that, that would be the focal point of everybody Monday morning quarterback on that game. It's not the fact that they didn't get the onside kick. It's the fact that they got completely outplayed after up by 11 in the second half 
it didn't come down to an onside kick. It came down to Northwestern was just better. And that should concern you if you're a Nebraska fan. So anyway, yeah. uh, I don't want to give too much to that game, but that that was the game I was looking forward to. It did not disappoint. Not close. It, it was entertaining. I'm a big Pat Fitzgerald guy. Always have been. Northwestern's a secret sauce there is, uh, uh, is it, to me, they just know who they are. And that's the beauty of Northwestern, much like a Utah, much like certain programs. So uh, that stood out. And um, other than that, I'm like you, JC, the, the games weren't overwhelmingly positive. But again, it's it's a garnish. It's an appetizer. We get ready for week one. I got to say this. We had Phil Steele on a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you guys can see this on our Zoom feed. Oh, yeah. I, I am 0 for uh, 3 going to Barnes and Nobles in Atlanta. They're always sold out. So I don't have a Phil Steele kite. I feel a little naked this year. Um, I bought an Athlon and a Wendy's for the first time in like 10 years. Mm. The Athlon, that is that is the worst preseason magazine I've seen in a long time. Uh, so they're definitely not going to be a sponsor of ours anytime soon. <laughs> oh, Wendy's wasn't bad. I, 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 I'm still reading my Wendy's. And I actually, this has been helpful as I get ready to call uh, – Kentucky and Miami of Ohio in week one and Oklahoma in week two. And so like that, I'm actually getting information for, but it just goes to show you, if you don't get your hands on a Phil Steele, you could be, uh, you could be struggling to find a magazine. So anyway, all right, lots to get to. We'll, we'll uh, dig into kind of a under the radar of week zero. We'll dig into a uh, preview of what's ahead, a new segment uh, as well in relation to that called don't sleep on just little nuggets to look forward to that, uh, maybe you're not getting the same uh, publicity and, and hype as some premier matchups a la Georgia, Oregon, uh, Notre Dame, <clears throat> uh, uh, Ohio State, Ohio State. I'm trying to confuse Notre, uh, Florida yeah. State and LSU. So you got those are the three that steal the uh, the show. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think Georgia Tech Clemson is going to be a game, even though that'll have a, a nice TV window. So mm -hmm. with all that being said. Michael Haney, everybody, uh, we welcome him back to kind of help steer the ship here. And uh, you might remember a year ago, the Hot Haney Five, which we'll get back into. Michael, a, a longtime sports radio personality and producer and now uh, becoming a musical sensation in the music city of Nashville, where he now resides. But you still love football, Michael. You, you, you can't fight it. You, you're, you're a music guy. Maybe first, but college football, yeah, right there. So it's good to have you back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thanks, thanks. A little round of applause. I appreciate yes, it. Yes, yes. Hit the uh, applause button. Yeah, all we right. Had a nice to be back. Button. Uh, it, it absolutely is. When I first moved to Nashville now almost seven years ago, I actually thought that, man, I'm going to be up in uh, Music City. I'm going to be around a bunch of artistic-minded people that want to like write songs and music and stuff like that. And then I ended up um, working with a couple of bands, and um, they were all huge huge sports fans and they knew that I was in sports radio before. So I was always the guy that had to settle the arguments between band members um, with my quote unquote expertise. So I've never really not gotten rid of the personality type thing. So I'm always feel like the intermediary for people that are like, well, what do you think guy? What do you think sports guy? Figure it out. So here we are. I'm glad sports guy. I'm glad I'm glad to be back and uh, kind of scratching the itch in front of an actual microphone. So, uh, Thank you, gentlemen, for giving me the opportunity to be back. We're glad to have you back. Uh, and, you know, it's it's an American sensation. The Hot Haney Five. I think it's as American as apple pie. 
So we're, we're glad to bring that back. Just five random topics. JC and I have not been prepped on this. We don't know where you're going, what you're doing. Uh, there's really, it's complete anarchy is really what it is. So uh, without further ado, why don't we, uh, why don't we tap into that? The first installment of the 2022 season. Of the hot Haney five. There you go. There's the reader, the stinger. The, it's all play. When we when we switch to StreamYard, we're going to have all that. This is going to be the most well-produced podcast. Well, pops and buzzes from here. One of the highest rated. <laughs> all right, gentlemen. Uh, well, going on to the Scott Frost deal. And Mike, you you said, hey, you thought this was a, a can't miss hire. Um, going back to uh, a lot of conversations that we had when I joined the show last year in terms of the coaching carousel, where things were going. Uh, we we spent a lot of time talking about Auburn. We spent a lot of time talking about Texas. So, gentlemen, with those two schools in mind, and with the struggles of Scott Frost now in uh, in, in year three, um, I would like to know of the major coaching carousel that we had last year. Which one of the new hires is going to be this year's version of Brian Harson at Auburn and Steve Sarkeesian mm. at Texas? Mm. Who are we going to be talking about in week 11, 12, going into the, the Heisman talk is like, man, that, uh, that backfired. <laughs> man, that's a tough one. Um, we get multiple choice on this one. Well, here I- we go. So, so with, with Auburn and Texas in mind, I mean, I consider those, you know, blue blood, you know, programs, they take their football seriously. So when we go with, uh, let's say, Brent Venables, Oklahoma, uh, Brian Kelly at LSU, Billy Napier at Florida, Dan Linning at Oregon, Krista Ball in Miami, Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame, Lincoln Riley, Southern Cal, that, that's, that's the group I'm looking for. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I, that moves around. I'm going to say something that may shock you guys. I'm going to say I'm going to go with Lincoln Riley. That is shocking to me, yes. Tell me why. No defense. And they have to get through Utah in that division. Um, and Utah has a very good defense. And I think other teams in that league will play defense. I, I think I think there's a culture change that has to take place at, at, at Southern Cal. And as we saw at Texas, through what's now the third straight coach, sometimes that doesn't happen overnight. I think they'll be very exciting offensively, I think. You know, Lincoln Riley obviously did well in the transfer portal. He's got weapons on offense, but uh, I've said it for years that, you know, the Pac-12 is not known as a defensive league. They do play more defense in that league than they do in the Big 12, though. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll say Lincoln Riley. How about that? And if I'm understanding the question correctly, you, this is not like – who's on the hot seat in 2022. Not not who's getting fired, but who everybody kind of goes, Oh, not a great debut. You know? Yeah. yeah, I think Steve Sarkeesian, uh, I mean, to a point had some expectations going to Texas. I think Brian Harson, even though most folks in the Southeast said it's kind of a fish out of water deal. He did start six and two started well. And I think folks had high hopes for him. It's kind of that idea of all these big name programs that made coaching changes. Who are we going to be yeah. talking about at the end? It's well, uh, like I think, yeah, I, I mean, I think I agree with everything JC said about the concerns for Southern Cal this year. Like if you're, if you're jumping on the Southern Cal is going to be a playoff team in year one bandwagon that, that does exist just based on the obvious transfer talent that they brought in and the obvious track record success of Lincoln Riley. 
I think you are misguided because the the sole record of their flaws in the record the last few years is not just based on terrible X's and O's. There there's issues on particularly the defensive side of the ball, and I agree that they're going to struggle in that regard. And I I don't see them winning the Pac-12. I think it's a it's a U- Utah Oregon race before we even get to Southern Cal on the depth chart. But I think Lincoln gets a mulligan, and I think Lincoln, given time, will get Southern Cal. I'm not saying back to Pete Carroll levels, but I, th- I think they'll be good. So I, I don't I don't know if, if we're having this discussion a year from now, two years from now, if he's my top guy where you're, you're, you're scratching your head going, wow, I don't know about this hire. You know, this is not considered a, a slam dunk hire, but I, I look at what Notre Dame did, and there's a whole lot of love being given to Marcus Freeman. And clearly, there were a lot of people that were uh, uh, in his corner, despite the fact that he doesn't have a track record as a head coach. He, I mean, we're talking Notre Dame here. That, that hire, uh, to me, it might work out. It might be terrific. But I certainly would not be shocked if it does not go great, uh, because I, I I think it's real easy to remember or excuse me to forget what Brian Kelly did at Notre Dame. He didn't win a national title, but but, but damn it, he did everything else. You know, he he had his team in position to win a national title multiple times. By the way, if you haven't seen the Manti Teo documentary, oh, man, that is interesting. That's an interesting two hours. Uh, But what made me think about that is he played for one national title. Notre Dame played for another national title under Coach Kelly. They were routinely winning 10 games, routinely playing for high stakes. They just, when they got on the biggest game, it's not like they choked or Brian Kelly uh, pulled a Scott Frost and called for a, a, a onside kick up by 11 in the second half. They just clearly were overmatched. And I think yeah. that's why Brian Kelly looked at the and said, I'm tired of going into this game and looking at the other sideline and saying, I don't have the, 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 the talent that they do. So he goes to LSU where they're going to be presumably more talented top to bottom. So I'll, I'll go with, I'll go with Marcus Freeman. I, I think that was the most questionable of the hires that, that kind of you just alluded to Michael, um, and again, we're not talking about a tier two program, you know, we're not talking about for even for that matter, Auburn, you know, Auburn hired Brian Harson, which was a questionable hire. And by the way, their AD Alan green basically got fired, uh, yeah. because of it. Um, but, but your Notre Dame, you could have, you could have gotten a lot of guys that would jump at that job. And you took a flyer on a coordinator in house. a la Bob Davey following up Lou Holtz. So I'll, I'll take uh, Marcus Freeman. All right. Very, very I, interesting. Yeah, and I'll have a, I'll have a, a, a secondary thing here too. Um, Dan Lanning at Oregon. Uh, I, I have a feeling. That was going to be my next question there. Jason. They're going to go about eight and eight and four, and they're going to get boat raced by Georgia this weekend. And that's going to tell me nothing about Georgia and how good they are, because I just don't think that was a, I, I think Oregon needed a different hire. I think um, I would have said the same thing at landing on Oklahoma. I, I just uh, knowing about what kind of went into Georgia's championship last year, I, you know, be careful, be careful about the guy with the title uh, that, that's you know sitting there and you know, he's supposed to be the lead singer. Right. 
and you got Axl Rose and, and Steven Tyler as your backup singers. Hmm. Just be careful how those vocals are mixed. That's all I got to say. <laughs> dude uh, looks that, like a lady. Yeah, dude. dude looks like a lady. How about that? Not Dan Lanning, but just a not Dan Lanning. Just, just a just Harris. All right, Dan's Mike. Do you uh, Mike? Do you want to have a a uh, JC? Just gave us a one A and one B. Do you want to have maybe a secondary option on that one as well? Well, I I, I actually I I would agree with that. I I think that uh, I I don't see the the same track record of like for example a Brent Venables to Oklahoma like that dude earned every bit of the stock that he garnered during his time at Clemson and he waited and waited and waited in the right time the right place uh obviously has deep ties to Oklahoma you know that might not work out who knows but but I could totally get behind that hire the Dan Landing one was you know he was a and I'm, I, I don't want to take anything away, but other Georgia coordinators have been there under Kirby Smart, and they've all seemed to have done pretty well. One of them is in East Lansing right now as a head coach, whereas Dabo Sweeney had zero background in defense. That was, you know, he, he needed somebody to you, you take over the defense, a la like a Spurrier did in his years at every spot. Like I'm not a defensive guy. I need you to completely that. That was Brent Venables. Dan Lanning worked within the construct of this is uh, my, this is the Kirby smart defense. And this is how we do things around here. And, you know, you're going to be very involved in calling plays, but just so you know, I'm, I'm Kirby, I'm right here. And that's kind of my baby. So I, I think that uh, I, I, I don't, I'm not saying it's a bad hire for Oregon, but I, that is one much like JC said, I think, if it if it didn't work out, it would not surprise me. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I even look at SEC coordinators with West Coast highs. Zach Arnett at Mississippi State, to me, I mean, better coach. I mean, less to work with, sure. But, mm-hmm. I mean, guy, he's got a tough job. He's Mike Leach's defensive coordinator. Uh, that means, like, you're not. You're going into the defensive meeting, going, "All right, guys. Here's what our. Here's how our offense is going to put us and expose us this week, right? <laughs> you know, they're not going to run the ball. They're not going to protect the defense. They're going to chuck it all over the yard. If they're misfiring, you know, you you you're going to get right back out there and and many times get guess. I think Arnett's done a ter- just a terrific job. Agreed. But nobody looks at that though. It, it seems like it's weird these days. Nobody gets there and goes. All right, well, look, this guy's at Mississippi State. For Mike Leach as a coordinator, um, that says something. You know, this guy's at Georgia and Will Muschamp and uh, Glenn, uh, gosh, whatever the – there's another one named Glenn Glenn Schumann and uh, Kirby Smart are all guys that are capable. Plus, you have all those first-round draft picks. Uh, You know, I – I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Because well, the other I, thing, the the, the X factor in all this, guys, is like, okay, obviously, how good of a recruiter they're going to be as a head coach, and then and then there's just like the intangibles. Like none of us really thought Sam Pittman was a great hire when it was made, did we? I mean, I didn't. I thought it was okay, uh, but I didn't think that he would have the success he's had in two years in Fayetteville. And maybe they finally start to level off a little bit this year now that they actually. They are truly the hunted and not just the the all shuck story. Um, but but that's the kind of stuff you can't predict. Like Sam Pittman 
he has a certain thing that players love and they give everything for him. And so that turned out to be a very good hire, even though, again, if you just went on track record and credentials, it, it was it was somewhat non plus, but we, we just don't. That's the part we don't know. I don't know what Dan Lanning, what he's like in that uh, in that locker room. Obviously, to go back to Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame, his players loved him and, and they were, you know, they were all in on him getting the job. And you might even say helped him get the job. Those are the kind of things you can't see on a on a Wikipedia page on a, on a specific coach and what his background and what his biography is. Yeah, absolutely. You're right about that. And I, I agree with you there. Now, the, the Pittman hire, I was like, it was a head scratcher because I thought surely they would get Lane Kiffin. I thought Lane Kiffin would go back to Arkansas, too, because Monty was there. And I was like, well, I mean, it's, it's but the, it was just such a dumpster fire. We're finding out now the roster wasn't as bad as we thought, but the, the, culturally it was it was in the in the tank. Uh, so obviously Lane went to Ole Miss, but um when he hired Kendall Bryles and Barry Odom as his coordinators, I was like, this guy's going to do a lot better than people think. Those two are outstanding uh, at what they do. And obviously, uh, you know, you're right. The hogs are going to be the hunted this year. There's no people are picking them like 10 and two things like that. So we'll see what happens. All right. So for the record, uh, I think we've got Lincoln Riley for JC and uh, Marcus Freeman uh, is, is the one there with the, um, unsurprising if things don't work out for Dan Lanning at Oregon. Uh, those will be the next names uh, in the Brian Harson, Steve Sarkeesian world uh, as we wrap up the season here for not maybe reaching some preseason expectations. All right. So, Mike, uh, earlier you alluded to Mel Tucker uh, at East Lansing in Michigan State, uh, having a phenomenal turnaround last year, going from 2-5 and five in the COVID year of 2020 to 11-2 and two last year bumping up to an amazingly lucrative contract uh, for a guy who had not yet uh, coached a bowl game. Uh, so with that in mind, to flip it around, not necessarily from the coaching perspective, but a team that you guys believe will make that biggest jump, who is going to be either a sub 500 or maybe right around 500 team that might be nosing that double digit win total this year. That could be a surprise kind of coming out of nowhere. Who, uh, you know, somebody asked me the other day to uh, to pick the second best team in the ACC, and I and I struggled with it, and then I I reluctantly landed on Miami with Van Dyke, and like predicted that there'd be a Clemson Miami ACC title game, and then I, I I wanted to like punch myself for falling into that trap because Miami's done this too many times. I'm not saying the U is back. Uh, I'm just saying that I, I could see them taking a jump. I think they have the right coach. They have a, uh, a, a pretty specially talented quarterback. And, and so, and, and again, it's the ACC. So like, I mean, there's some teams in the SEC that I see could take a jump in terms of talent, in terms of where the program is headed. Uh, you take a South Carolina, for example, and, and you get Spencer Radler and you're coming off a seven win season and the recruiting is good and there's momentum. But with that schedule, I'd be surprised if they won more than eight. So so that wouldn't qualify for your your question. Right. So I, I need to find a team that I, I think is is moving in the right direction or a program that's moving in the right direction. But also when I look at the schedule, I could see a jump in wins. So that's that's one of the first ones that comes to mind. I know there's a lot of momentum 
from a media hype standpoint for Texas. And again, they don't have the daunting schedule that uh, that you would in, in, in the SEC or even the Big Ten. But I don't know. I, I just I can't get there. I can't. First of all, you're you're gambling on a quarterback in, in yours. Who we don't know yet. There's a whole lot of we just don't know. Uh, even if you think that that Sark is finally going to to get things going and, you know, if you believe Baylor was a fluke last year under Dave Aranda, which I don't. Uh, if you believe Oklahoma is going to take a major step backward, which I don't, I, I can't get to where Texas is going to have like an 11 win season this year, even though there's a lot of people that are jumping on that bandwagon. I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw a team out there. Kansas state Wildcats. Ooh, dark horse in the big okay. 12 to me. You, you kind of look at the big 12. You mentioned Texas. I can't get there either. Mike. In fact, I think we're going to see the first uh, slaughter uh, of the Longhorns, uh, of many, when they join the SEC in a couple of years, the second week of the season, because that thing's not going to be close. Uh, their problems have nothing to do with having great athletes or talent or anything. They're just soft. And let's just call it like it is. They are soft. And guess what? Their former head coach who started this softness toward the end of his tenure, he's at North Carolina now. I saw Florida A&M, which had 20-something players suspended, go toe-to-toe with North Carolina. I'm recognizing every name the Tar Heels have on the field because they were all big-time recruits. Hmm. And, and and they're not that young anymore either. And just let them go up and down the field on them. Who, who, whom, how, mom. Now they pulled away at the end. But the, the softness is systemic at Texas. You don't lose 57-56 to Kansas at home if you're not soft. And um, guess what the opposite of soft in the Big 12 is? Kansas State. Even when they're not very good, you would never call them soft. They have a good coach at Chris Kleiman. Uh, They got a lot of players coming back. People have been talking about them as a potential dark horse in that league. I'm not buying Oklahoma State. I'm not buying Baylor, although I'd love to see Gundy get there because he's been knocking on the door a couple times. I'm not buying Baylor. I think TCU is going to regret their decision when they hired a new – they brought Dykes over from across town and fired Patterson. Uh, Still not sold on Texas. Oklahoma, to me, would be the safe – you know, the safe bet. Um, But if we're talking like a Michigan State-style season – uh, you know, Michigan State didn't win the division either, but they got to 10 and 2 or whatever. So I think I think if there's a team that can do that out there that maybe nobody's talking about, it's that that bunch in Manhattan, Kansas. Um, and you know, they're probably the happiest fan base uh now that it looks like the Big 12 staying together because uh they may have not gotten an invite to the ball, it may have been in the Mountain West. So uh this this will be a good year of redemption uh for that team in purple out in Manhattan. All right, so we got Kansas State for JC and uh, Mike. That I is Miami. Is that the that's? Uh, I'm going Miami. Going Miami. Oh. I go, well, I, I know. I hate. I hate myself for it. I, well, I, 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 <laughs> I, yeah, Mar, Mario's. That was a caged animal hire for them. Mario's a yeah. a winner, and he's home, and they're recruiting well, and they got a good quarterback. But this is got, also the type of the of Miami team we always look at and go, hey, they should win ten games, and then they're losing to Duke. 
All I right. know. Well, I, well gentlemen, gentlemen, before you get too far into the thoughts, this leads into question number three. So oh. I don't, don't want to waste it all with that. But with all of this in mind, with the new hire of Cristobal uh, at Miami, with seeing what happened with Clemson last year, taking a quote-unquote step back, they won 10 games, but obviously uh, the, the standards are higher there in Tigertown. Um, a lot of turnover with Clemson. They've owned the league for the last six years up until Pitt won the league last year. We see NC State, we see Pitt win the league, we see Wake Forest doing what they did, the new hire of Cristobal. Is the ACC finally starting to become a competitive league now? Is Clemson's grasp on the league uh, looser uh, than ever and, and primed for a takeover from someone else? Great question, and the answer is no. <laughs> and so when I, when I say ACC game, I throw that in with a caveat. Uh, they're going to be a double-digit dog once they get there. Uh, by the way, Charlie Strong, co-coordinator at Miami, uh, to help uh, Mario Cristobal. I mean, it's a pretty strong staff when you take when you put them under the microscope. No, I, I think I think Clemson takes a major step forward. I mean, and again, you could you could have a Kelly Bryant situation looming where you you bench the starter, the the hyped up uh five star and, and DJ and if he if he's can't hit the broad side of a barn again you've got just the number one quarterback in the country waiting there in the wings but I I look at it this is one of my favorite things to uh evaluate talent with we were just talking about the stars and all, everything else and that's great one thing uh I'm looking at my Lindy's now that that they did that I thought was very good they're uh, apparently in bed with NFL draft Bible. And I use that as a metaphor. I don't know who the people at Lindy's actually sleeps with, but oh. NFL draft Bible. I don't even know if they're college football fans or if they even care, but here's oh. what they do care about. They care about who playing college football is going to be drafted highly in the next upcoming NFL draft. Right? So if, if you look at it and if you just go with like, the top players at every position. Uh, for example, defensive tackle, number two, uh, Brian Brzee, Clemson. Uh, number seven, Tyler Davis, Clemson. Defensive ends, uh, number one prospect, Miles Murphy, Clemson. Uh, number 10, K.J. Henry, Clemson. These are only draft eligible guys, by the way. There's a few sophomores that would not be on this list. Uh, Clemson's defense alone is loaded. And it's not as if they lack skilled players on the offensive side. Uh, oh, by the way, on the line of scrimmage, they've got one of the top rated offensive tackles, uh, Jordan McFadden, Clemson. So I, I just think that they're still uh, ahead of the game to where this is a unique year in the ACC. Give the ACC props. This is one of the best quarterback years, and I, I hope Sam Hartman is able to come back. I love that kid. Uh, I, I've called a couple of his games, and he is a difference maker. With him, Wake Forest could win 10 games. Without him, I don't think so, not, not, not even close. But you take a Sam Hartman and you take uh, that crop of quarterbacks at the ACC, it's one of the best years top to bottom. The problem is, is all those other positions on the field, even if you have, say, a, a, an NFL quarterback talent at NC State, which they believe they do, at Miami, which they believe they do, uh, I could go on and on. There's, there's other quarterbacks that maybe aren't like first-round draft pick potential but are really good college quarterbacks in the league this year. Sam Hartman would, would, would be one of those, certainly if he, when, when he's back, let's hope. 
they don't have the the Jimmys and the Joes at the other positions. So no, I say it's still Clemson and and everybody else. Like last year was your one year, Pitt. You you had that you had that one year and you had the first round quarterback and Kenny Pickett and Clemson was clearly down. You got in there and you had your glory. But no, I think now it's back to Clemson and everybody else. I don't think Clemson's going anywhere. I'll say this. Their schedule's kind of backloaded a little bit. They have Notre Dame, Miami, Louisville, South Carolina, all in November. That's They usually don't play uh, their toughest uh, stretch uh, during that point in time. Uh, I don't think that they're going to be what they once were on offense. There's just not a T. Higgins or – uh, you know, Justin Ross before he got hurt. I mean, you can go back in time to Mike Williams and, and all the, they don't they don't seem to have a guy like that at receiver. They have good receivers, probably top fourth of that league, but uh, not like they used to be. They're not what they used to be at running back. They're not what they used to be at quarterback. Offensive line could be one of the best in the Dabo era, though. And that's important because if you notice Dabo swinging through the years, what he'll do is, is when he, maybe they're not as explosive. He'll just run the ball and play defense and bleed you to death. Everybody thinks Clemson's this high wire act. And yeah, they are uh, when they got the guys. But, you know, look at the 2017 team that went undefeated and unfortunately ran into Bama in the semis with Kelly Bryant at quarterback. They just, they were so good on defense. They just ran it and stopped the run. ATN was a freshman, had a good year, and they got by with with Bryant playing QB. Um, You know, you mentioned the quarterbacks in this league. Uh, I'll go back to 2016 uh, mm-hmm. when they had a, a pretty good crop. You know, you, you had uh, Lamar Jackson at Louisville. You had, uh, what's his name, Nathan Peterman at Pitt, who was drafted. Um, you know, you had uh, a kid at Virginia Tech that was good for one year. Uh, you had Deshaun Watson at Clemson. Um, you had Mitch Trubisky, who was the number one mm-hmm. overall pick in the draft. I mean, they, they and I tell you what, SEC fans, that's the last year I could say probably because you compare the quarterbacks in the SEC that year and it wasn't even close. No, um, the ACC probably had the better year and probably was the better league that season. Um, I don't see that happening this season, guys. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know. Look, I, I'm not buying NC. I think NC State could, could start lose two of their their first three games. Uh, they open at East Carolina. Uh, Greenville, North Carolina has been a house of horrors for NC State and UNC over the years, and they're in year four under their head coach, who's a good one. Um, they have Texas Tech, who's better who's better than expected last year uh, in a non conference game. So by the time they get to Clemson at Death Valley, they could they could have two losses. Uh, Clemson opens with Georgia Tech and Mercedes-Benz, which, you know, these days is the equivalent of when Alabama opened with Duke in the Chick-fil-A kickoff. Um, You know, I just – it's just hard to bet against the Tigers. I I even think Clemson's players, when you look at their secondary and the second level of their defense, I think athletically they upgraded from last year. They're going to be even better, and they were really good defense last year. So – until we watch and and see a team in the ACC that can, you know, move it up and down the field on Clemson's defense and stop them consistently, I, you know, I have to go with Clemson. I, I just don't think that – I think last year was just, you know, one of those years things were not clicking on offense. I think that they over overestimated DJ because of what he did in 2020 in a year where nobody was playing defense. Um and uh, there was a big drop-off, drop-off in skill, talent, all that. 
but I think they'll rebound offensively. And um, even without Brent Venables, I think that they have enough talent on defense to be pretty, pretty special on that side. Follow-up question. Will DJ be the starting quarterback halfway through the season? I will go ahead, JC. I'll say yes, just based on the like the improvement I've heard uh, about him coming out. Um, I, I'll say yes because I I think they're going to get enough on um, enough uh, enough out of their defense, and the schedule is not you know until that last month, which gets a little tricky. It's the schedule is really nothing, so uh, I, I can't see a situation barring a catastrophe where he uh, loses his job. Yeah, I mean, Kate Klubnick is obviously waiting in the wings, but I'll go DJ as well. He lost, uh, we, we hear, in the neighborhood of 20 pounds. Um, I don't know how that alone makes you just miss simple throws, but uh, but clearly I think there was a confidence issue there as well. There was so much hype. And again, he was a freshman, and when things just start not going well, it can snowball on you in a hurry, just as Spencer Rattler and and. Before you know it, the, the the fans are getting restless, and it and it gets to you. I I think he, you learn a lot from that. You know, you're you're mentally stronger uh, from that. And as we always talk about, JC, and this was your world for so long on a national level. You know, recruiting is not an exact science, but I have enough faith in the people that evaluated this kid that he has some arm talent. Like he, he, you know, he he can make those throws for whatever reason he just didn't last year. But I have to believe he will. So. Barring injury, yeah, I'll say DJ keeps the job. All right. So you heard it here first, or maybe you've heard it other places, but, you know, you're listening. So <laughs> you, you, you heard well, it we'll here. We'll claim I first. Why not? Yeah, Clemson, uh, Clemson is still king of the ACC, according to JC and Morgan. All right, guys, we have a lot of fun analyzing things and looking ahead and breaking things down. But I, I feel like with the Hot Haney Five, the reason you brought me in are for questions four and five. So we're going to we're going to step away from Whoa. previewing and looking at things and all the other stuff. And um, I want to take you on, on a little journey. Uh, it was it was 1992 and 11 year old Michael Haney was sitting in the West Upper Stands of Williams Bryce Stadium for South Carolina versus, I believe, at the time, number 14, Tennessee, led by Heath Schuler. At halftime of that game, they ran a film crew on the field. And they were filming a movie that would go on to be known oh, yeah. as The Program. Uh, so if you've watched The Program, or if, if you're new to this podcast, or you just never watched The Program or didn't really know, uh, williams Bryce Stadium is the home stadium for the uh, ESU Timberwolves in The Program. So I, I brought this up because this is the first year, I pour one out for old Jimmy Kahn. It's the first year that he will not be around mm. for, for The Program. So I watched this movie like many people will watch Christmas vacation or it's a wonderful life around holiday time. <laughs> it's the first week uh, going into college football. I watched the program. I enjoy it for all of its faults and all of the things that I think that it got right. But I have a question for you guys. Is this just silly sports cliche schlock or is the program actually an underrated sports movie classic? Both of you guys are going to be surprised by this because uh, I, JC, I get on all the time about not watching certain shows and, and hadn't seen certain movies. 
Uh, I clearly watch uh, more TV, and there was a time where I, I, won't, I don't want to say I was a movie buff, but I watched a lot of movies, and I actually went to the movie theater back when people did such a thing. Um, <laughs> the only movie I've seen in the last couple of years in person is, is Top Gun. Um, I've never seen the program start to finish. I've just wow. I've stumbled upon it and I've seen bits wow. and pieces. I, I applaud you for having the guts to admit that. Mike. I admit that. Uh, and I've seen a lot of B-level football movies. And I may, you know, I always joke about the fact that Roadhouse is the best two star movie ever made. Like I acknowledge the fact this is not great writing, not the best acting, not the best plot. But whenever it's on, I'm in. I'm all in on Roadhouse. That's kind of like my Christmas movie. Um varsity blues i'm not here to tell you that it's a great football movie but i'm here to tell you i watch it every time it's on the program never did that for me i i it just it just didn't so for me you're not going to get high marks on the program uh rest in peace jimmy Kahn. rest in peace paulie walnuts it was a bad year for uh guys that played mobsters i think we lost uh three or four of them in in total but uh Ray Liotta. Ray, yeah, Ray Liotta. I mean, goodness gracious. And that was all like within 30 days of one another. Just a, just a tough, tough time. Joe Pesci, please uh, eat well, uh, get on the treadmill. We can't be losing Joe Pesci. But no, no I, I, I can't give you I can't give you thumbs up on the program. I'm sure JC is a different take, but I, I never got into the movie. Uh, I think you're both going to be surprised at this. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> uh i i you know big fan of johnny be good with anthony michael hall oh gosh that's, you a, know? that's a half star movie <laughs> dude big big fan of necessary roughness with scott bacula and kathy ireland uh, kathy ireland and and and, and sinbad oh, and right. uh the, the most underrated uh coaching performance of all time uh in a movie uh, with Robert Loggia as defensive coordinator Wally Riggendorf. Uh, classic. I'll never – Robert Loggia, I'll remember it for three things because he, he unfortunately passed recently too or last five years. Number one, Scarface. How, how can you forget his performance in Scarface? Number two, Wally Riggendorf and Necessary Roughness. And then number three, he has the most epic line in the, in the movie Independence Day. Give me the Secretary of Defense. Then wake him. Just so dramatic. Sets the tone for that whole film. Anyway, big fan of that movie. Big, big fan of Any Given Sunday. Uh, mm. Varsity Blues was all right. Uh, Friday Night Lights. Uh, Very with, good. Uh, with our boy, um, what's his, Billy Bob Thornton as the coach and yep. all that. But uh, the program, even though, like, they shot it at Williams Bryce, that was a good day for the Gamecocks. Obviously, they – Beat Tennessee the first time they played him as a um, SEC opponents and ran Johnny Majors off right, but uh, you know that's uh, you know I I I don't know if it's must see for me, so I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna side with Mike, which probably surprises all of you. All right, Siskel and Ebert here give it two thumbs down. I'm surprised <laughs> by both of you. I'm not gonna lie. I'm 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 a little hurt. My heart yeah. sank just a little bit. Sorry uh, with that. this one. Yeah, I just think it holds up. Like it's silly. But upon watching every year, like there's a lot of things in it that still hold true today. Like, I think it's the only movie that really kind of tries to dramatically look at the inner workings of a, of a college football team. Everything else has been like some of the ones that you mentioned, like Necessary Roughness or just 
they're trying to have fun with it and it's a comedic take on on the whole deal but we're talking about steroid abuse and proper benefits yeah. uh, alcohol abuse heisman yeah. campaign going awry uh you've got the you've got the board of trustees that's uh breathing down coach sam winner's neck you've, you've had two bad seasons you better win this year or else it's everything that we talk about and they encapsulated it so perfectly in just under <laughs> in, in, in two hours. Now, and see, you... I, I love blue chips now. Like that's, yeah, that's, what I was I, and, and that's weird because it's sure. basically kind of the same type flick, but right. Yeah. I love, I, I was a big, I watch blue chips anytime it's on. And blue chips holds up more now than ever. Yeah, no doubt. No when doubt. You think about it, it. It holds up more now. It, and let me it, just say this again on the program. I'm not a, I'm not a hard thumbs down. I can't be a thumbs up or thumbs down because I didn't see the movie start to finish. I'm more like a flaccid thumb, which I think they have a pill for that. But um, I, 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 so I can't I can't rip the movie. But I but based on the bits and pieces that I saw again at a sequence, just channel surfing, I can't sit here and tell you that that's a movie I would really uh, stand behind. All right. Well, can we get to a, can we do uh, some homework here? I know that you're a very, very busy man, Mike, but you do travel a lot. I do. Can we can we get you to to watch the program start to yeah finish? yeah I, I like guess within I the could, next within the next month like is it I'm on not even Netflix like, is it on I uh, doubt no, it it's not yeah it's not I gotta buy it for like twenty bucks you can you can rent it for for three ninety nine on Amazon download yeah. it to my laptop and watch yeah. it on a plane you, you don't have to easy. you don't have to commit yourself to to the movie you can rent it okay you can't you can't stream it for free anywhere especially for for you, uh, you listening out there, if you've never watched the movie, or okay, if I, I'll it. do that. And if you could if convince JC to actually watch uh, Last Chance You, like the first <laughs> four seasons, oh I haven't get, I have not been able to watch. This is a man who used to cover recruiting on a national basis. Yes, so this is all it, about you know prospects and a JUCO, and uh, it should be right up his alley. And I can't get him to watch it. Because I've lived it before, man. I, I, you know, the reason I didn't, I've never watched Last Chance You, and I probably should, and one day I will, because uh, I get behind on things like Entourage. Like it was the last season before I picked that up, and I love, I love the show. I thought it was oh, all outstanding, but um. I, you know, like I lived it. I went and got in a, got a rental car in Phoenix and drove to Yuma, Arizona through the desert for an Arizona Western university practice one day and sat there and watched the whole thing. That's, that's Juco I, I recruiting. Believe. I thought maybe the, I know there are a lot of characters in, in, in last chance you just from what I saw in the previews, but I'll, I'll watch it eventually. Right. I, I, I'll, I'll check you it. heard it. You heard it here. I'll watch it. I first. I'll watch it. You're not, not committing. I gotta come in fully. All right, all right. Well, well, Mike, we've got you on the record. You're gonna watch. Uh, you're gonna watch. I will watch start to finish the program, and I will have yeah. a full uh, review. Yeah, and then you know, you and I have our own thing. Uh, personally, I you love Norm Macdonald, but you've never watched the movie Dirty Work, which just is insane to me. I can't what? get. Into, yeah. I, I, th- thank you, JC. I Mike. appreciate that. Like, if you could I, see JC's Mike, the, for God's, you've never have, seen Dirty Work. Not start to finish. No. Chris Farley has an out. Has a, the best cameo he's ever done in that movie. Yeah. he's better than the bus driver and Billy Madison. In that that's one. He, I do have seen that, and I do remember yeah, that cameo. Yeah, that's a nice the, Chevy the, Chase the, cameo as well. Yeah, the Farley cameo in Dirty Work's amazing. All uh, right, we're he, completely he, off the rails now. Yeah, he has a half a nose. I mean, it's awesome. So <laughs> Thanks, anyway. Michael, for uh, yep. getting uh, a a you know one star. 
yeah. cult following yeah. flick into this uh, discussion. Again, I think that's why you you bring me along. You bring me yes. along. That's and through our our uh, our hookup here, where we can actually see each other. Your face is red, Mike, so I can, I can tell that. So I've gotten a lot of sun, actually, is what that is. But, uh, but yes. All right, um, all right. All right. So the program. The heat is um, getting to me here. You know, bo- both of you right now, eh, you, you, you chose to put it in more of the cliche schlock category uh, than timeless classic the way that I do. All right. Moving along. Uh, again, number, uh, number five of the Hot Haney Five, a fun topic. Um, we've all, gentlemen, traveled around to uh, various football games and covered various uh, football events and stadiums throughout our time. Um, I, I love to eat. I don't miss many meals, uh, but tailgate food is one of the bigger uh, things that people try to prepare for outside of just your tickets and, and uh, what playlist you're going to have. You got your hot dogs, you got your hamburgers, you got steaks, chicken wings, all the, the normal fare. But going back to a similar question I asked around Thanksgiving, what was the most underrated Thanksgiving dish, side dish, what is the most underrated tailgate food? The most underrated tailgate food. Sausage. Guys. Sausage? Just straight give up sausage? A, give me a good uh, spicy Italian sausage on a grill. Mm. I'm all that, in. I'll take that. that. Get some peppers in there. I'll take that over the hamburgers, the hot dogs, the wings, the everything else. Yeah, I'm all in on that. All right. I think that sausage is interesting because I've learned, I've always loved sausage. I've always been a fan, but I've learned since I've been, uh, you know, in the Midwest a little bit, that's, that's sort of a, a staple sausage, peppers, beef. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with, um, low country boil. All right. Uh, I, I, you know, at first it was kind of like a colder weather and we don't have a lot of colder weather in the South for football kind of thing. Uh, but I had it over the summer at a 4th of July cookout. And I was like, I kind of like eating this during the summer too. Um, and I'm a big fan of like potatoes and, you know, sausage, like we mentioned, and the shrimp and all that. And I think low country boil uh, w- would be my underrated tailgate food. Uh, and, I, and I'll add this one little aside. Uh, as far as something we don't think about uh, being a staple of tailgating food, you take a tray of Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets to a tailgate, they're going to be gone in 30 minutes. <laughs> Guaranteed. Don't care if there are three people there or 30, they're going to be gone. They are going to be gone. Absolutely. But that's a that's an automatic. If, if we're talking yeah. Chick-fil-A, right, we can't yeah. say that's underrated because no, you're living in the South or you've been in the South, you, you don't underrate Chick-fil-A. That's just, that's just part of the yeah. – that is apple pie. That is apple pie. And really, I, honestly, there, you know, there's one in, in Illinois and uh, – Lying around the store for breakfast and lunch, just like there is in South Carolina or Georgia or anywhere else. It's uh, uh it's it's addictive. That Isn't it amazing? Life. Like we all have our our fast food horror stories. Like just you you go. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name certain companies, but m- very many of them. You go through the drive through. You expect there to be someone who uh d- does not get your order correctly. Is not the most polite. There's long waits. Everything seems discombobulated. It's just a show, if you know what I mean. And so Chick-fil-A, meanwhile, everything just seems cleaner. The the, the kids that are running the drive-thru actually take a little pride in their work. They're polite. You've got a thousand cars, and yet they somehow make it work in two different lanes where there's a system. They don't screw up your order hardly ever. 
Like they somehow have figured out how to do fast food, right? Forget about the fact that the food is delicious. They know how to actually run the, the business. And so many of these others, it's just, like I said, it's a blank show. And it's like, how do you even stay in business doing it so poorly? So kudos to uh, Mr. Chick-fil-A. Yeah, Mike, uh, twerking hard there to get the Chick-fil-A sponsorship for the Jason. <laughs> yeah, podcast, we should right? get something. <laughs> yeah, out of it, yeah, right? yeah, you should definitely send it. No, Ath- I mean, Athlon, Athlon, no. Chick-fil-A, come on down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah we're not so, getting Athlon on. <laughs> for sure. All right. All right, gentlemen. So that concludes the hot hand. That concludes the first. So we've got, all right. So we've got sausage for Mike. We've got uh, low country boy for JC. The program 50-50 uh, between you both. Uh, but I will say if you haven't seen the program or if uh, you're behind on that, go uh, Go check it out. The ACC is still Clemson's to lose. Uh, we also have uh, Miami uh, for Mike uh, and Kansas State for JC as the teams to uh, potentially replicate what Michigan State did last year uh, and going into a double-digit win season. And then uh, the coaches with the highest expectations of the Blue Blood programs that might not meet them this year. We're going Lincoln Riley for JC at uh, USC and then Marcus Freeman for Mike at Notre Dame. And that wraps it up for the hot handy five guys. All right. I like it. Good, good stuff. We'll, uh, we'll smoothly transition from that segment to uh, the under the radar segment, uh, JC from week zero. And I'll just offer mine real quick. Number one, uh, we already touched on it. Ryan Holinsky. It's a great story for those that, that have not followed that, you know, about his brother. If you have followed it, uh, you know, it's been a rough road. Things for whatever reason did not work out in South Carolina. And uh, he just feels like he's been around forever Uh, at now at Northwestern. He put on a display in that it wasn't all about what Nebraska did wrong. A lot of it is what Northwestern did right, which talk, which leads me into another under the radar. And that is the secret sauce under Pat Fitzgerald. I remember one of the first games I ever did for ESPN was in 2009, Northwestern Illinois. And it was, and you know, you meet with the coaches or you, or you have a a conference call and just, just sitting down and talking with him. I was impressed right away. And this was before he had the track record that he has now some 13 years later. Uh, But again, they just, they know who they are. They're comfortable in their own skin. And I realize they're coming off a, a disastrous 2021, but like overall, you look at what Northwestern was before he took over and what, what they are now and it's uh, impressive. Uh, speaking of which, Illinois' Brett Bielema, I know that wasn't a, a, you know, a huge, huge win, but I think Brett Bielema at Illinois is going to be a good fit. I didn't think Brett Bielema was the clown show that a lot of people were, tried to remember him as at, at Arkansas. His problem was they just never had a defense. They never had a defense. I, I thought the hire made sense. I thought his philosophy kind of going counter to all the spread and you know, pass happy offenses. We're going to go ground and pound that at times did work and could have worked, but they never had a defense in Fayetteville. And that's been a problem with that program for longer than just Brett Bielema. Um, And I'll say one more, the under the radar, the power of the Auburn brass Uh, this week, Alan green, basically reading the tea leaves contract, not renewed. It was up in January. He's out. Um, Remember, in fairness to Alan Green, he's not the one that gave Gus Malzahn that seven-year deal when Gus kind of had him over a barrel and Arkansas looked like they might try to hire Gus away. Uh, that was not his deal, but he but he came a month later. Um, and basically, you had influential boosters orchestrating 
a coup and you know they they ran Malzahn out of his job including a hefty buyout that came with it then they tried to get their own job well own guy into the job and Alan said no 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 I'm going to make this hire you know I'm sorry Mr. Yellowwood but we're not <laughs> we're not hiring who you tell me to hire uh, I can't fault him for that the the, the hire of Brian Harson while some quickly tried to make that sound like a perfect fit. It never seemed like a perfect fit to me at all. And uh, Brian Harson, you, you know, there's this feeling out there that he's dead man walking this year, unless Auburn just completely throws a rabbit out of the hat. And maybe they do, but uh, the, the power of the Auburn brass, they didn't want Harson. Uh, they almost tried to get, well, they didn't almost, they tried to get him fired after one year. They fell short of that. I don't think they wanted Alan Green either, and now they're going to get their way on that. Green, a guy who was a, a baseball player at Notre Dame and in the rest of his track record, uh, Notre Dame as assistant, I believe, in the uh, front office, and then Buffalo was kind of his uh, his background. But, yeah, that is a difficult job to be the AD or the head coach at Auburn, no question about that. So uh, never underestimate the power of those boosters, that little cabal inside uh, no. that <laughs> that that fan base they got some power and they are not afraid to use it no and it's it you know you just kind of knew that like because the, the the brass at auburn wanted kevin Steele. okay so alan green decides he's gonna make the hire and with some students and some other people, people that normally don't make decisions at auburn and they just sat back and were like all right and then they got to six and two last year and then they lost five straight games and well, now Alan Green's not the AD at Auburn anymore. And that's just, they don't care. Okay, Auburn people, people want to sit there and talk about how dysfunctional they are and how, you know, oh my God, Kevin White, the former Duke AD, just went off about the subject. Like it was the end of the world. Well, you don't understand what, uh, you know, what that place is all about, you know? So, butt out. I mean, that Auburn is going to continue to do it. They will fire Harson this year. Maybe if he starts three and two to start the season and loses to LSU and Penn State at home, or if he starts, and if he starts two and three and loses to Missouri, LSU, and Penn State at home, he is getting fired. I mean, that's just all there is to it. Um, what I don't understand is why they didn't hire Hugh Freeze instead of Brian Harson. And now there may be some kind of uh, command from the Godfather <laughs> uh, about hiring Hugh. Uh, but that's the guy they need. I mean, that's the guy that can challenge Bama, him or Lane Kiffin. I mean, you know, Harson never made much sense at all. Um, you know, bringing the Boise State philosophy to the Plains. I think, I think you need a little different philosophy for it. But, uh, but that's, that's the thing. If you're outraged by Alan Green getting fired at Auburn, you don't know Auburn. You know, out there. Right. there, there were some people that were like, oh, oh my God, you know, this poor guy, you know, Did you hear what Paul Feinbaum said about that. He's he called it. And I and I think this is a term that applies a lot in in our current climate, not just in sports, but in news fake outrage, yeah. a lot of fake outrage about that story. Yes. Oh, my God. How could they? It was a lot of fake outrage. Like, you shouldn't have been surprised at all by this. No, I mean, it was going to happen. I'm surprised it didn't happen sooner. Uh, I mean, I, I thought for sure last year, you know, they were going to fire everybody. <laughs> and that's yeah. what Auburn does. I mean, it is a miracle. It is a miracle. And Gus Malzahn, you know, as much respect, and I think I think they're going to have a pretty good year this year down at UCF. 
as much respect as I have for him as a head coach, and, and we have some mutual friends, and I, I like him as a person, the dumbest, it may be the dumbest thing. The dumbest thing, like, coaching decision-wise he ever did was stay there. Now, the millions of dollars, maybe he's not so dumb, but uh, I would have got something million dollar buyout. I would have told I them, <laughs> I would have told them to kiss my behunkus and been on the first plane back home to Arkansas uh, if I were him at the time. Uh, but he he clung to it, and I guess he's a rich man now, and and you know has a really good job at UCF. But I. I uh, you know, I, I just kind of thought, I was like, man, Gus needs to go because, I mean, yes, they are they had two weeks where they were the best team in the country in 2017, but then they still lost uh, to Georgia, and then they lost to UCF in the bowl game. And, you know, people were already starting to grumble about the 40, you know, and then they gave them $40 million contracts. So I just, you know, I don't know. I, hindsight's 2020 on those things. They, they couldn't live all, as much as Auburn – had issues with Gus. He did beat Alabama multiple times and they would never have forgiven themselves if they let that man go to Arkansas and Arkansas surpassed Auburn, which right now they kind of have done that anyway Mm -hmm. for the time being. If the Arkansas had surpassed Auburn with Auburn's old coach, they just could not, even if they weren't totally enamored with Gus and I never thought that they really were, that thought kept them up at night and said, pay that man his money. And that's exactly what they did. A little rounders uh, fight for you. Um, so that's, that's, that's where that is. Uh, did you have anything else under the radar? Are we, are we ready to go? Uh, Next ahead? segment's good Next for me. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, so I mentioned it, it's a, this is actually one of the best week ones we've ever had. And I know there's a lot of criticism of the neutral site games and, you know, Gary Stoken and those guys here in Atlanta are a big reason why those exist. And Gary will fire right back at you. And if you if you criticize the fact that um, they don't, you know, these games on neutral sites in Atlanta or wherever else, we don't like them and we'd rather have home and home. But Gary will point out, and I think he's got some validity to this validity to this, is that without our our involvement in all this, you wouldn't have these great matchups. You would you wouldn't coaches aren't going to go out of their way to do a, a brutal home and home on week one uh, under the current postseason structure. Now, again, when the playoff expands and it will and it'll probably be 12 and that might change. But for now, these games, these setups in the neutral sites beginning right here in the Mecca of Atlanta, they facilitate better matchups than we would ordinarily see in week one. So I. I'm glad that we have what we have overall, Oregon, Georgia, FSU, LSU, Ohio State, Notre Dame. Although in all three cases, it's pretty heavy favorites. I mean, these are sexy matchups, but you're talking about double-digit favorites in the case of Ohio State and um, and Georgia. I, I can't remember the line on LSU, FSU, but I know LSU is a favorite. I don't know if it's double digits or not. Anyway, so we've we've got those we've got but but here's the thing on and this kind of leads right into the don't sleep on segment JC don't sleep on these matchups Cincinnati Arkansas that's juicy I'm in I mean come on we just talked about what Sam Pittman's done at Arkansas they've been a media darling so is Cincinnati first non-power five team to get to the the playoff I'm not sleeping on that game Utah Florida 
Billy Napier's first game, a home dog against the Pac-12 champion Utah Utes. Beautiful. Uh, Penn State at Purdue. Do not sleep on Purdue at home. I'm telling you, that is a trap game for the Nittany Lions. Be careful. I'll even throw in Memphis at Memphis State. Don't sleep on Memphis going into Starkville and causing some issues. And I'll throw one more at you. Uh, I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb in that you, you always hear me talk about the fact that not all FCS programs are built alike, right? Like if you want to give yourself an automatic dub, you don't put North Dakota state on the schedule. You know, <laughs> you, you don't put James Madison on the schedule. You put Eastern Illinois on the schedule or you put what you say, Duquesne. I, I didn't know they had a football team either. JC yeah. Yeah. full disclosure. I had no idea Duquesne played football. So that's just a, that's a cakewalk. I mean, that's a, a walkthrough, but if you're not careful and you just start scheduling FCS teams, well, you can do what say Montana did to Washington last year. And they beat them 13, seven that led to the end of the, uh, <laughs> the Jimmy, Jimmy Lake, Jimmy Lake era. Uh, everybody was like, Oh, that's going to be a tremendous hire. Tremendous hire. I mean, it was I, 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 Taggart. I, you know, I, don't, the, I, I don't know that Jimmy Lake wasn't going to take over for Peterson soon anyway. Yeah. I, yeah. That's this. It's the same crowd right. that, you know, praised to the Willie Taggart. High, like yeah, Jimmy Lake's yeah, a brilliant yeah, hire. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, then they lose crazy. to Montana 13, seven that led to his $10 million. So Jimmy Lake got a $10 million buyout. So <laughs> not bad for a guy that, really didn't do a whole heck of a lot <laughs> as a head coach. Uh, I was on the call for this uh, bad boy. East Tennessee State went into Nashville and beat the Clark Lee Vanderbilt Commodores 23-3. to mm. Now, again, you say East Tennessee State, one AA school. Well, they went to the playoff. If I'm not mistaken, they might have been in, in the semis. Like, those FCS playoff teams, like, they know how to win. They're no joke. And nowadays, they have a ton of players – that are FBS transfers, even power five transfers on their roster. So they're not just like Rudy. I think people think FCS, I think a bunch of Rudy's out there. That's, that's not it at all. Jacksonville state who could forget this on the final play defeats FSU 20 to 17 and Northern Arizona beat Arizona 21 to 19. So in the spirit of don't sleep on FCS uh, teams winning, I think we're going to have an FCS upset this weekend. I don't know which game it'll be, but I think we're going to have an FCS over a an FBS and maybe even a Power Five. There's a couple of uh, Power Five ones. How about Richmond at Virginia? Would it shock you if Ooh. Richmond beat Virginia? No. Uh, would it shock you if Tennessee Tech beat Kansas in Lawrence? Wouldn't Ooh. shock me. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think there's there's some would it shock you if Chattanooga won at Illinois? That's a couple weeks away. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think that, uh, oh, Idaho at Washington State. I mean, there's a program that has not gone through a lot with the Rolovich firing and a loss. They're neighbors. They're neighbors, too. Idaho's right. right down the road. Yeah. There, there you go. So there, I, I'm saying don't sleep on the FCS this weekend pulling off uh, at least one upset. How about Northern Arizona, Arizona State team? I mean, the Sun Devils have gone from uh, a program that looked like they were kind of on their way under Herb Edwards 
um, to like massive attrition last year. They lost all you their good play players. to try and cheat the system and yeah. lose kids and coaches to yeah. other places. Yeah, exactly. You know, so man, you know, um, and, and Northern Arizona, uh, the, 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 I think, did you say they beat Arizona last year? Um, the lumberjacks get fired up. They have a good program. Yep. Uh, coming down from Flagstaff, I could definitely see it. Portland State at San Jose State. Portland State's pulled stuff before. Yeah. Uh, shoot, Eastern Kentucky's got a good program. They play Eastern Michigan. Uh, I was not impressed with Charlotte at all last week. They play William and Mary. Um, gosh, uh, I don't know about Tennessee Tech and Kansas, Mike. I, Tennessee Tech kind of up and down. Uh, how about Central Connecticut and UConn? Hmm. That <laughs> yeah, be something? yeah, I we're still barely considering UConn an FBS program. Yeah, they're, they're uh, right the, there. The fighting Jim Morris now. They they did they showed some life over the weekend. Give them credit. They did they did show some life. Um uh after <laughs> after winning perhaps the most Corona Bro a program in college football <laughs> during the pandemic when they just like shut it down. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. See ya. So we're done. We're not going to play. <laughs> That's pretty much how it uh, went say, down. I would say James Madison over Middle Tennessee, but James Madison's actually in, I think, in the Sun Belt this year. Um, so they're up in FBS now. Yeah. South yeah, JMU Dakota. is now FBS. North, I, I was looking for a North Dakota state, but the, uh, North Dakota plays at Nebraska. If it were North Dakota state, I think there would be a lot of clinched fannies uh, in Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska this Saturday. Just to be honest, but um, yeah, that's a good call. These FCS schools do that. Uh, I'm going to say this: I, a potential one to look out for that could be more of a game. I don't. I'm not pulling for the. I'm not calling for the Bulldogs to pull the upset. But uh, South Carolina State, watching them play Jackson State last year in the, in the HBCU Bowl, looking at their offense, their quarterback. They have a receiver that'll be a day one, day two pick in the NFL draft. Uh, they have good transfers. They're good on both sides. They play UCF. Um, don't know how you're going to stop John Reese Plumling uh, in there, as our good friend Phil Steele pointed out to us the mm-hmm. other day, Mike. But uh, I think SC State has the firepower uh, to go in there on offense and, and and give them some scary moments. That game's on Thursday uh, at, at seven o'clock on ESPN Plus. By the way, since you mentioned that. Uh, I- UCF John, an avid listener to this podcast, you mentioned we've got some Texas fans, we've got some people in the Midwest, and even people out west that listen because this is not this is not just a specific regional uh, podcast. Even though we all have ties to the the, the Southeast and the SEC, I I told I told uh, UCF John, I said, look, I got an assignment for you. Sometimes we put our listeners to work. I said, right now you guys are in the American. And not the Big 12. We uh, admittedly we don't talk a ton of AAC football. Give me a one week every week. Give me a little paragraph synopsis of what to look forward to in the American, and I will read it on the air. So that that is something to look forward to. Nice. We will break down some AAC football. Uh, they're in a state of flux because they're about to lose some pretty good programs to the Big 12, but we'll we'll give the AAC a little bit of love and Mike Oresco and all the good guys over there. Michael Haney, you've been chomping at the bit over there. I'm looking at you with your Nashville shirt and your trucker cap. What what did you want to say? 
Oh, I just, uh, you know, I don't know if I was chomping at the bit or anything. Uh, maybe. maybe you weren't chomping. Maybe, maybe I just, just have indigestion. Maybe I have to pee. Maybe, maybe, that's, that's, maybe that's it. Well, then I'm, you can no, chomp no, at the no, bit no. over at the I, urinal down the hall. I, I will, uh, I guess I will throw this in there um, just because, you know, it's it's the school that I've followed the, the most often and it's the school that, I, that I've covered the most. But there's just, I don't think there's going to be an upset. This is obviously a, an FBS deal, but. Uh, I'm very intrigued to see the return of Sean Elliott as a head coach for Georgia State going back to williams Bryce. I just, again, following South Carolina as much as I have in, in my life and seeing as much as I have, there's so much excitement from Gamecock fans. I can't help but think, uh, and JC may be able to, to to talk about this a little bit more. I I don't know. I just feel like maybe at halftime there could be a little bit of restlessness because maybe the Gamecocks haven't quite put put uh, Georgia State away the way that the, that folks would like to because – I know Sean Elliott well enough to know that he's going in with a massive chip on his shoulder and he's going to have his guys ready to do everything they can to pull off an upset. Yeah, obviously they're not going to be intimidated. They, they won in Neyland Stadium. They almost won at Jordan-Hare last year. Um, They've been to a bowl game three straight years, by the yep. way. Four out of five, which, you know, this is his sixth year. The program's only been there 13 years. Uh, uh, I, I, I've told Game Guy fans this. Just, just, just understand that when this game was scheduled, I think Georgia State was like a three-year-old football program and Bill Curry was the coach, right? <laughs> you know, it's like, ah, Bill Curry's going to come in there and lay some groundwork, but he's not the type of guy that, that scares you into thinking he's going to upset you, right? Uh, good first hire, you know, n- not uh, all that good stuff. But uh, that that's when the game was scheduled. Nobody knew Sean Elliott was going to go over there and build a freaking contender in, in what I think – for right now is one of the more underrated leagues in the country in the Sun Absolutely. Belt. Absolutely. I, I think the Sun Belt, Sun Belt Fun Belt has really come up. You know, you, you look, you have Coastal Carolina, you have App State, you have Louisiana, um, even, even schools like South Alabama are really good. Troy is traditionally good. Uh, Terry Bowden still at Louisiana Monroe. I mean, it is a good league. This is you know, this is like playing one of those Louisiana or App State teams. Georgia State has 18 returning starters. They have a quarterback that's a dual-threat guy. They have dynamic running backs and playmakers on offense. And it's the same offense, App State and everybody else. You know, Sean Elliott's run for years. Everybody kind of in that coaching tree runs sort of the same thing. It's hard to stop. Now, from a Gamecock perspective, they go to Arkansas week two, so, so it's kind of good in a way because you, you're going to prepare for the quarterback run game against these guys, Georgia State, and all that, and that will prepare you thus for Arkansas. Um, but with as many players as they have coming back, they have 20 players on their roster from South Carolina. They have five from Columbia alone. Uh, they have a former Gamecock, Jamias Williams, at running back who was a starting a freshman all-SEC selection at corner in 2017 <laughs> for the Gamecocks. Um, that's a long time guys. Uh, but, uh, it's, uh, it's not going to be an easy win. I, I think South Carolina win it, you know, like 35, 21 ish. And if they do, I think they should be happy because I think they probably a, a win over a, a dang good quality, uh, contending team in the Sunbelt conference this year. And, and just like not all FCS programs are built the same, not all group five. Because again, right. this is a Georgia State program that is clearly on the map. Um, you know, I'm sitting here as we record this 10, <clears throat> 10 miles away from their stadium, which used to be Turner Field. Because mm-hmm. you had that beautiful field, a stadium for the Braves, 
and they just turned it into a nice football stadium that that's all they do there is is play Georgia State football. The campus is growing. The enrollment is growing like that. All of a sudden has become a good job. And that has become one of those dangerous group five opponents. So, you know, if you want an automatic dub, then you schedule rice. If you want to sweat and have anxiety, you schedule Georgia State right now. And that's that's what uh, yeah. I'm with you, Haney. Like, I, I think that could actually at least for a half or three quarters pose a little bit of a. Oh, what have we gotten ourselves into type of situation? Yep. And then just like I said, and what JC detailed there, the added layer of the, of the South Carolina connections, you know, there's a lot of guys coming back in mm-hmm. just, uh, you know, maybe have a point to prove. Yeah, no, no doubt. The little X factor things that you, you know, you don't, when you're, when you're dealing matchups and you're saying, you know, who's got the better speed, who's got the better arm, who's got all this stuff, you know, there's always that X factor intangible thing that you, that you like to throw into an equation. And I think Georgia State's got that going to Columbia this weekend. I think we just stumbled upon another segment that we can look forward to the Haney X factor there you each go. and every uh, week here on JC and Morgan. Uh, by the way, are, are so happy to have our title sponsor, Blue Delta Jeans, Blue Delta Jeans based out of Oxford, Mississippi. Uh, a ton of uh, folks have uh, already become Blue Delta customers. J- Haney, you're in the music country music world it seems like every country music singer has a pair of blue deltas so i mean you know the quality don't you first yeah i do yeah absolutely. without having a pair which we need to fix uh, yeah i mean I've, I've heard i've heard good things i've heard good things and i'm uh, proud to be associated with them here with uh with the podcast yeah uh we're proud to be uh associated with them as well they do a terrific work check out the website blue delta jeans.com Gentlemen, this has been a solid uh, first week where we're all back together. Episode number 170 of JC and Morgan. Any closing thoughts before we uh, sign off here? I just looking forward to getting it going. I can't wait till I mean, there's just such little to talk about uh, after week zero. Usually there's at least two things. There's really only one. Um, Looking forward to having some football to discuss. Glad we could get uh, through this one with uh, a lot of football right? Uh, instead of NIL and everything else we've talked to death all summer, right? Yeah, we, we've covered all that other stuff, I think, about as well as it could be covered. I'm not saying we're not going to touch on that again yeah. throughout the entire season, but for the time being, it really is. It, it's about the games, and we we are <laughs> we are so jonesing for it this year. Uh, again, back to normal with crowds. We had that for the most part last year, but I don't know, something just feels a little bit different about this year, a little bit more excitement in the air uh, about this season overall. And I think week one, like I said, some of the highlights will be the upsets that that will happen and there will be a few make no doubt about it. We'll uh, break those down as well as everything else. And what will be a uh, hopefully monumental week. Number one, that's going to do it for us for uh, JC Sherbert. For Michael Haney. So we got Chicago, we got Nashville, and here I am, Mike Morgan in Atlanta, saying so long for now. We'll see you next time on JC and Morgan.